0: Tonight, we are going to continue and actually finish up a series that we've been doing this spring where we've been hearing from these great stories from the Old Testament. And our student interns each week have been leading us through one of, of really just what I think are these provocative, phenomenal story, stories of God's pursuit of God's people. And so tonight we come to the last story that we're going to hear together this quarter. And to do that, we're, we're going to be led by a man that hails from the thriving metropolis of Kirkland, Washington. He came to UW uh, playing on the Husky football team. He has one of the most curious minds I know, honestly, uh, that that Nate is one of these guys that in my interactions with him over the last several years, that he has that that. Just that desire to know what is, what is, the, what is the real truth that is present in this text or in this, in this situation. And so I'm excited for you to get to hear from a, a very, it's kind of funny that he gets to, he's this very big man that gets to tell this story about what, you know, at first glance is kind of a beauty pageant. He's going to tell us about the story of Esther. So please welcome my good friend, Nate Dean.
1: I on? Am I on? Am I on? Sound good? All right. Um, yeah, like Ryan said, my name is Nathan. Um, I'm a senior here at UW, and I get to uh, chat with you guys tonight about Esther. Um, so uh, just jumping into it, looking back a few months ago to uh, actually like the night that we Chose which Old Testament book we'd be looking at. We were sitting at Ryan's dinner table and just kind of divvying up who would talk about who. And um, like many of you, maybe uh, the Old Testament is a bit foreign, um, just for me at least. um, Just about some of the stories going on, the characters, and uh, so I I was like, I didn't really know where to begin. You know, who should I choose? Um, You know, which character to focus on? But when I saw Esther. I was like, "Oh, great! I mean, Esther, my favorite person in the world is named Esther. I can do that." So, um, some of you may know, my good friends know that um, I have a grandma named Esther, and uh, she is perfect in my opinion. <laughs> she, so she's about this tall, and uh, um, she's very sweet. She lives in Illinois on this tiny farm, and um, just quick backstory on my grandma Esther, just because. I feel like it's, it's important thus far. Um, <laughs> so my grandma was born and raised in Argentina and moved to Illinois when she was a teenager to learn English and go to school. And then she, after college, went to Haiti, where she met my grandpa. And then they moved back to Illinois to kind of start a family farm and do life. So... Um, that's Esther. She she speaks Spanish to the waiters when we go to Mexican restaurants. She flirts with everyone. Um, we don't know what she's saying, but they're all laughing, and she's great. And coincidentally quits, enough, today is actually her birthday. So Ryan, thank you for orchestrating this event. I didn't know you had that planned. That's it's extremely impressive of you. So um, yeah, my mom texted me this morning, and I was like, oh yeah, I should text Grandma. So. Um, yeah, getting into it, um, Esther, right? I mean, I would be, I would be a bit shocked if the majority of us knew a lot about this story just because I feel as if it gets overlooked. You know, there are definitely, um, the famous Old Testament stories and I'd be willing to assume this is not one of them. Um, but, when I was able to open it up and really start to learn the story, I was, uh, you know, I was actually impressed with how well it reads, and it's uh, it's a shorter book, close to the latter half of the Old Testament, and um, you know, it's actually full of action and drama, and it, it reads really well. So, um, just jumping off, main character Esther, she is this Jewish girl, I, I believe she's of a, a teenager age, Jewish girl, living under, living in um, the area where the Jews were in exile at this time. They're, um, they are slaves under Persian rule. So the Persians are in control and they have domain over the Jews. And so essentially what happens is um, the king, uh, Xerxes, is introduced into the story and Xerxes, uh, commonly remembered in 300, right? Is anybody following me? 300. Uh, That was, okay, right That was the first connection I made. I thought for sure that he was the one that's kicked into the cylinder of death, you know? (laughs) That's not who it is, so get that image out of your mind because it's not helpful. Uh, But he, Xerxes does make an appearance in the movie 300, um, so you can maybe work with that a little bit, but anyways, Xerxes is introduced um, essentially because he's throwing this massive, like, week-long party, right? Seven days, think Greek week, you know. Everyone's invited, <laughs> the richest to the poorest. Everyone's there. It's crazy, right? And so his wife, his the queen at the time, um, was apparently you know crazy beautiful, and he wanted to show her off. But she uh, wasn't having it for whatever reason. The Bible just explains that she didn't want to hang out with him at this party, pretty much. So King Xerxes gets really mad and, uh, I guess, breaks up with her, divorces her, um, denounces her queenness, I guess, at the party. Um, and so we need to find a new queen, right? And so essentially the, um, the Persian officials are going out, and they're looking for the replacement, right? Um, This is where Esther comes in. She is this beautiful teenager woman. I'm not really sure how old. And um, (laughs) Essentially, she gets picked to be the new Persian queen. um, This whole time, keeping it a secret that she's actually Jewish, which would just be craziness, because... At the time, uh, Jews were considered, you know, the lowest of the low, the slaves, no respect. Um, it just would have been unheard of. But Esther becomes the new Persian queen, and this is, you know, highly significant, right? Um, yeah, for just for sake of me explaining the story, I'm going to skip a majority of the meat of it, just because. <laughs> well, just like the the middle part, just because. It would be so... I understand how that sounds now that I say it. But just for sake, we could be here for uh, for an hour if I wanted to, just explaining the different drama that's happening and all the names and, you know, uh, who wants to kill who and for what and all this stuff. So we are going to move forward towards the end, which I believe is the meat of the story, really. Anyways... um, Okay, so we have this situation where King Xerxes um, is approached by his number two man, Haman. And essentially, Haman is extremely disrespected by a Jew, Mordecai, who is a friend of Esther. Uh, It says that he's actually Esther's uncle or cousin. Uh, Different translations have um, different titles for, for who he is to Esther. But... Anyways, uh, Haman, the number two, uh, is extremely disrespected in public. And uh, Haman knows that Mordecai is a Jew. Therefore, uh, his line of thinking, th- all Jews need to die. It, you know, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's it makes sense, right? Mordecai is mean. Therefore, I hate all Jews. They all need to die. So it's, you know, it's a little crazy, but this is the time period, right? And so... Um, the king is then listening to his number two and uh, is okay with this plan, I guess, you know, and uh, in the in the future, in the days to come, uh, there is a creed to be sent out that uh, all Jews need to die. So Esther gets word of this and she is not cool with all of her friends and family being brutally slaughtered um, just because of this Haman guy is a little like disrespected at this one time. So Esther, and this is just, honestly, this is my favorite part of the story. Esther eloquently goes to King Xerxes and approaches him and just says, All right, I would love... And so, by the way, um, in my, when I'm reading this, when I'm reading the story, I'm like, yes, Esther, she's going to go to King. Uh, she's going to poison Haman. She's going to find a way to get the king assassinated. It's going to be epic. It's going to be awesome, right? I'm just waiting for this this great action scene to unfold, but uh, what happens is Esther uh, approaches the king and is essentially like, I would love to uh, throw a dinner party for you and Haman. I would love to celebrate you guys. I would love to just cook you guys dinner, more or less, right? And um, at this point, uh, Esther is in very great graces with the king and the king loves her. And so, yeah, he's, he's more than welcome for this feast to ensue, right? And so the next night, they just have this massive feast. Um, you know, all the best food, all the best wine. Uh, maybe it isn't her intention to serve a little bit extra wine maybe for the king. I don't know what's really happening here. But anyways, they, they have this great feast set up. And at the end of the night, the king is just utterly in love. And he goes to Esther and, and he's essentially like, what do you want? I'll, I'll give you anything uh, that I have um, because I love you, because you're great, because you're beautiful. Uh, anything you want, it's yours. You want, you want um, your title of the kingdom, you got it. No worries. What do you want? And the queen, uh, instead of acting selfishly, she pretty much just um, pleads for the safety and the humanity of the Jews, right? For him to not kill all her friends and family, right? And um, it's this pretty miraculous scene where uh, because of the respect that the king has for Esther, he listens and um, the Jews are saved. You know, later in the story, it, it goes on to explain that Haman is then murdered by the king, and and you know, it's, it's good news for the Jews. But um, you guys will have to read more into that because it's it's pretty juicy. But anyways, I just love I just love the fact that this is how Esther, you know, a secretly Jewish woman acting as the queen gets things done, right? You know, so often do I think, especially reading these books of antiquity. Um, you know, it's force, it's violence, it's manipulation. That's how things are done. But in reality, it was a simple dinner party. It was it was some good food, some good drinks, and hanging out, uh, pursuing these two guys with love to eventually um, get the product of peace, which is what she was striving for. And I think a lot about my own life, how you know I don't even do that right there's no uh nobody's life is on the line with my enemies however, how hard is it for me to uh go to the people that I have problems with and offer them coffee or uh go have teriyaki on the ave with that one guy that's really bugging me or something like that i just I truly feel like esther uh is just representing perfectly the way to to care for people just with love, and and I assume she wasn't confident that this would work. I assume that you know she probably had other ideas of of ways of getting things done, um, but she she was a woman of God, and she did what she knew was right, and um, and it, it worked, right? I mean, the Jews were saved, and Haman was dead, so. Um, Yeah, it's a great story. Um, I really recommend um, digging your teeth deeply into this. Um, It's an opportunity, honestly, to uh, read about a woman in the Bible who uh, essentially... um, Gets things done the way she wants them done. She she is under no control. Although the men might think they're in control, uh, Esther is uh, she's in charge. And and I think um, yeah, I I think for me personally, it it is a great reminder of the women in my life and and just uh, what a peaceful meal can do for. for the villains of this world, for your foes, your enemies, or even just the people you have a small problem with. Um, so that's Esther. That's Esther and, uh, and King Xerxes. Um, with that being said, I want to invite Ryan back up to, uh, to chase what I uh, have presented. So. Yeah, let's thank
0: Nate for sharing with us. The worship team is going to come back up and lead us in a few more songs in about three minutes. But here's what I want to remind you of and really encourage you with as we come to the end of the year together. As we come to this exploration of stories in the Old Testament, and especially this story that I likewise would encourage you to explore of Esther and Mordecai and and Haman and these Persian kings. It's a provocative story, but here's what I want you to catch, okay? If, you've been, if, if you tuned out, I need you for about a minute and a half. God can be trusted. That's the story of the Old Testament. It's the story that we hear over and over through, through surprising, even miraculous ways that God can be trusted. In the story we just heard, as we've heard so many times throughout the quarter... God can be trusted to provide for his people. We heard once again the power struggle, the tenuous nature of the Jews, that is the chosen people of God, the people of God in relationship to foreign powers. And it doesn't it always seem like these people are constantly underdogs? The people of God are constantly underdogs, and yet God always finds a way to provide. It's one of the most fundamental promises of the biggest part of the Bible. I will be your God. It's a covenant that God makes with his people. I will be your God. You will be my people. And in one saying, I will be your God, and I will be with you, in that message is, I will provide. I will be trusted to provide. At this time of the quarter, as we get ready for summer, trust God to provide. It's a promise. It's a promise that was made to Esther and to Mordecai, and I believe it's a promise that's made to us. The second is this, that God is at work in God's people. In me, in you as God was at work in really an unlikely pair in Esther and Mordecai. One of the refrains of this book that I do hope that you read is is, for such a time as this. For such a time as this, God's plan is to work in and through God's people. Again, these people are not the most likely candidates that would do what? That would save God's people from slaughter. That is to say, he used them to bring life, to preserve life, once again, to provide. God chooses them. God chose them. And I believe God chooses you. God chooses us for such a time as this. That's the whole plan. It doesn't always make sense to us. In fact, I would call it a great ministry ministry, mystery. for such a time as this. God uses you. In the same way that Esther didn't demand that her adversaries or enemies be slaughtered, and instead, as Nate, I I really like the way he said it, and instead do a dinner party for them it points us once again to what our Lord Jesus, the Son of God, does on the cross. Perhaps instead of demanding the execution of those who you could make a case for, perhaps deserved it. Jesus says, I got this, I got you, but it's going to be my way. Not on their terms, it's going to be my way, and my way is the way of the cross. No one else is going to be executed. Me. Me for you. My life for yours. That's the way of the cross. That's the way of grace. This gift that we don't deserve. It's the way of mercy. Not getting what we do deserve. And God's justice is grace and mercy. That's the way of the cross. So for such a time as this, As those, and I believe that the Holy Spirit has been given to every single person in this room, we get to go and live the way of the cross. Which simply means, as Nate said, it's an opportunity to throw dinner parties for those that maybe don't like us. For us to extend grace, to show mercy and justice in the way that we treat others, and we do that in every second of our lives. That's what these Old Testament stories show us. Let's pray. God, thank you that uh, you can be trusted to provide and that you are eager to meet us in our great places of need. God, forgive us for the ways that we don't trust you, and we admit that we don't. God, we believe. Help our unbelief. And God, that you work in and through us is a mystery that Uh, is outside of our ability to often comprehend. And yet, once again, we we ask that you would make us aware of what you are doing in and through us, and that we might be bold enough to share it with all those that we come into contact with. God, bless us as we continue to study uh, for the weeks ahead as we wrap up our year together. Uh, Again, Lord, make us aware of your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said.